You're listening to the Be Hooked Podcast, session number 55 with Brittany. Are you pricing your items right? We are about to find out. Welcome back to episode number 55 of the Be Hooked podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here today because I really believe that this episode has the potential to change your business. Yes, that is right. The number one question that comes into my inbox is, Brittany, how do I price my items? And I'll be the first to admit that I'm not really the person to explore this topic because I don't sell my goods online. But that's the great thing about the podcast. It gives me the platform to invite people on the show who are experts with the questions that you have. And I have brought back none other than Chantelle from Knititude. We heard from her just a couple of episodes ago. She's very passionate about this topic and you'll hear that bleed through her interview today. And I am so excited about the knowledge and the message that she was able to share throughout our chat. Now, before we get on to my interview with Chantel, I do want to let you know that the show notes are available at behookedcrochet.com slash session 055. That's where you can find all of the resources that we talk about, and we do mention a few. So that's the only URL you need to memorize here. Head over to the show notes page. If you have a question, please feel free to leave them there. I'll go in and check all the time. Maybe even Chantel can check things out. And we can help answer your questions about this topic that so many people seem to really struggle with. I wanted to take a moment to thank Yarnspirations for sponsoring this podcast once again. Yarnspirations is your online destination for inspiration and the yarns you love, like Peyton's, Bernat, Karen, and Lily Sugar and Cream. You guys, my listeners, Be Hooked Podcast listeners, you can get a special offer to redeem at yarnspirations.com. All you need to do is Enter the coupon code BEHOOKEDPOD, that's B-H-O-O-K-E-D-P-O-D, at checkout, and you can get 20% off your order of $40 or more, and you can redeem that at yarnspirations.com. If you guys have seen any of my patterns and projects, you know that I love Yarnspirations yarn. I use their products all the time, so if you like to follow along with my tutorials, you can almost guarantee you're going to need to get some Yarnspirations yarn. And this is the best way to do it. I'm all about saving a few bucks. So make sure you head over to yarnspirations.com when you're ready to make your order and insert the coupon code BEHOOKEDPOD. All right, I think I have teased this episode quite enough. I just want to dive right into my call with Chantel from Knititude. Chantel, welcome back to the Be Hooked podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I'm really excited to have you back too. I'm calling this episode a real approach to pricing your items because I know that out of everybody that I know personally, you are the one person who's going to just give it to you straight. Give it to people in the real way about how to price their items. And I'm so stoked that you're going to share it with us today. No sugarcoating. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> None. <laughs> Well, before we get into the ins and outs of pricing and all of the good stuff that we have planned today, 
I want to give people a chance to get to know you. Now, you were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and some people may have heard that. And I mean, honestly, 15 minutes was just not long enough for the tip that you had (laughs) for us. So tell us again, for, for people who are brand new, a little bit about you and how you got started with Knititude. Uh, so I'm Chantel from Knititude. Uh, Knititude is four years old. I have been knitting for five years. I started originally selling physical items. I started going to markets. Um, I originally <laughs> had a bunch of girlfriends see my knitting and be like, that's really cool. Would you be able to make me one of those? And I was like, for sure, but I'll charge you for it. <laughs> and I was still undercharging at that point. Um, but in the last about year and a half, so since September of 2016, I started Uh, diving into the garment designing Mm -hmm. and that has completely taken off for me and I love making patterns. I still sell physical items. I still do markets, but I love designing stuff. Oh, that's cool. It's really, it's really neat to get an insider's perspective on people's journey because it always looks like one thing on the outside to everybody, but it's cool to know that through making your own goods, you've kind of found a new passion in designing and that's kind of the way you're going with it. So that's really cool. Yeah. And you're constantly, your business is always transitioning and I feel like I'm in a transition phase. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So transitioning from selling your goods to designing, but you said you still are selling some things. Are you primarily doing that online or are you still going to markets? So I, I'm still doing markets, usually about, um, for the last three years, I've done between five to ten markets in fall, um, between September until December, mainly for the Christmas season, because we all sell knits, which means that you have to be having a cold weather system. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but this year, instead of doing uh, five to seven, I'm hoping to do only three markets in the fall. I've already done two for this year. So I still sell um, in person as well as I sell. I still sell online. I figure that my items will always be kind of enjoyable to be able to make. So I'm still selling no matter what. Oh, that's cool. I'm curious. Do you sell on Etsy or do you have your own, like your own shopping cart on your website? Um, so I sell on Etsy. I should have stuff on my website, but I've been very lazy. I'm bad at that. (laughs) It's (laughs) a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work. (laughs) So let's see. So you, you definitely have a lot of experience with this topic. So you've been selling for at least four years, it sounds like. Four years, yeah. So you know what you're doing. You know, well, you've probably gone through all of the like growing pains for pricing your items to sell. I'm sure you didn't. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't know from the get-go how to price. Like if you thought back to your first project, do you think that you priced it the right way? Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, I remember making my, I remember making items for my, um, my family and we ended up going on a road trip up to, um, into the mountains. And I remember someone reaching out to me being like, do you sell your items? And I remember being in the, in the car with my mother-in-law being like, I have no idea what to sell this for. I have no clue. It was a huge, massive infinity scarf. It was taking me eight hours to be able to make, I was on like six millimeter needles and it was taking forever. And I remember being like, is 35 too much? Is like 40 too much. And now when I think about it, I was only using, I was using maybe like, I went to Walmart and I got one of those big, big balls of yarn that's like still kind of scratchy and a hundred percent acrylic. Um, and I think it was like five bucks and I remember selling them for 40 bucks to my girlfriends. And when I do the math, I have a calculator with me, um, (laughs) that, 
for me, if I end up having $5 towards my yarn, that means that the $35 went to me. The only issue is that when I break that down by eight hours, I was paying myself $4.37 an hour. Yikes. And I was like, yeah, no, Chantel, you are way better than that. I know better now. Yeah. I definitely know better now. Like I even have luxury <laughs> items and that's the first time that I'm going into like a higher end market mm-hmm. and it is such an unreal experience. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think it's because I was I had this idea and I think a lot of crafters when they first start they're like, "Oh, I need to compare myself against like H&M or mm-hmm. Walmart or like people are purchasing stuff at this this like big box store and I obviously have to match it. And it's like, no, that big box store makes things way, way quicker than you, than you do. And you have only two sets of hands and they have millions. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. How long do you think it took you to realize that this pricing structure just didn't work? Um, I think it probably took me about a year. Um, And then I think it really started clicking in when I started selling more items and I couldn't keep up where I was like, why am I selling these items for so small? I'm breaking my back. I don't have enough time to be able to spend with my husband. I don't have time to be able to go out with my friends because I'm panicking that I have to finish three scarves in the next two weeks. They take me eight hours each. I work a full-time job and I'm stressing about it. And it's a whopping $35. It's like, no, there are other better things that are worth my time. And I'm worth more than $4 and 37 cents. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love the way you said that you are worth more than that. And you could, you could spend those hours doing other things because when you said yes to that person to take on their project, even though there was an exchange of time for product, you know, value for product, mm-hmm. You You said no to something else. Exactly. Exactly. I think, honestly, a lot of people make that same mistake that you did. And I I wouldn't – I hesitate to even call it a mistake because I think it's just – it comes from just a world of – Inexperience. Exactly. A world of unknown. You you had no idea, so you started somewhere. And that's that's the first positive step. Like, even though you didn't know what you were doing, you still took action – which is a win in my book, and you learned from it. So my goal for our conversation today is maybe to take some of that guesswork and that inexperience out of people's lives. So maybe they have a higher starting point and their businesses can potentially benefit from it. So And make money. And make money. It's not a dirty thing. A lot of people no. <laughs> a lot of people feel like they need to feel guilty because a business is a business, right? businesses make money. Otherwise, you have a passion project. And a lot of what we do may start out as a passion project or we're just feeding our hobby. But at the bottom, at at the end of the day, the bottom line is if you want to do what you love as a career or as a Mm full-time thing, you have to make money. And you can't feel dirty because you need to make money to support your family. You need to live. And I think that there's a a great thing that I feel like there's always a difference where people are like, well, this is my hobby. This is, this is not my full-time job or I'm not trying to make money. And it's, it comes down to, if you think of it from government standpoints, once you make a cent on anything, you're not a hobby anymore. You're actually a business. The government is going to want a cut of that, that money. So whether you sold one scarf and you charged $40 for it, um, that, 
technically makes you a business. And I think that there's a great quote saying, uh, this one comes from, I think her name is Patty McNitz. I will find out for you. Um, but she gave me this beautiful quote that said, you can't have a business with a hobby mindset and Ooh. it's okay to make money. You are allowed to make money. You are making a business to make money. Like no one's just doing it just because they love it. Obviously that's a very large portion of it, mm -hmm. but you're, if you were doing it just because you loved it, you would be donating things. You wouldn't be selling them. You would be giving them to multiple people. There is obviously a portion if you want to make it a business that you want to make money off of it, which is a profit. Exactly. And you know, that sounds like that needs to be the first step because it is a hobby mm -hmm. for so many of us. Maybe before you even consider selling your goods, you need to figure out exactly why you're doing it. Because if you're, if you have a hobby mindset and you're like, well, I would be doing this anyway. I, I want to sell this to my sister because she asked for it and, and she can afford to give me $20. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. When you do that, I feel like you shake up the market a little bit because you are, you're offering things for lower than what your time and everybody else's time is worth. Would you agree? Absolutely. You are undercutting the other people that are either trying to make a profit through this or you're undercutting people that want to make it full time. Um, with just selling it for $20, you may be thinking, great, I'm making an extra buck by myself, but I like to call it a spiral of shit because <laughs> essentially what ends up happening is that you sell it for a, a really low price. And then the person who ends up who's trying to do this full time or is trying to make a profit, they're constantly having, having to battle the people that are selling at a lower rate because they don't value their time or just think that it's not exactly that they're not valuing their time. They're just not thinking of it as along the lines of like, oh, that's a standard to be able to price. So you're having all these people who end up um, trying to make a profit or trying to live off of whatever their their craft is, having to essentially be lowballed or have to lower their prices and essentially make less profit for themselves to be able to kind of hit the prices that other people who are crafters or who have a, who have a hobby mindset are putting out there, which is really difficult for any type of any person that is trying to live off of it. And I like to always say that I think there's a lot of people out there that go, oh, well, because, because I'm not making it a full-time job or anything, it means that I can just like make whatever kind of money off of it, which yes, that does come to a case. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a lot of people out there that if they you're working full time, your, your time outside of your, your work is precious. And if you're not, I feel like you could, you could say that that time is probably a little bit more worthwhile or more dollar worthy than a person who is spending the eight hours to be able to make it their full time job because they have that time allocated to it. Yeah. You as a person who is a crafter or a hobbyist don't, that's extra time. So wouldn't you, wouldn't you, think that that was like, you're taking that extra time away outside of your job from your family and from your kids and et cetera, that you need to be paying yourself for it. Just because it's a hobby doesn't mean that you shouldn't get paid for your time or your hourly wage. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think no matter, no matter what you're doing, we, we live in a world where time is valuable. Time has some kind of value to it. And in a lot of ways, it's a monetary value. So like you said, even if you're not trying to make a business out of it, or if you're not trying to turn a profit, you should still, you should still value, value your, your time. time. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. Yeah. And it's the same idea of like, say that you end up having it where you're an electrician or outside of work, you decide to go help a a friend or whatever. You're still going to charge them an electrician's wage because you've gone to school for that. You've learned how to do that. You're a skilled worker and you still deserve a minimum wage just because it's not in your nine to five job. Yeah. And people pay for those skills too. I mean, there are, there are a ton of people who knit and crochet nowadays, but there are still a lot of people who don't. And so they're paying Mm -hmm. you for your skill because maybe they can't make it for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are just not crafty and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Some people don't want to be. (laughs) No, some people don't want to at all. And they would rather, they would rather pay for it. So I, I think the sooner you make that realization and the sooner you figure out your, your focus and your direction, I think you're already going to position yourself maybe a little bit higher than what you would if you were just going in blind. So we, we've said a few words that I want to clarify a little bit. Some of the lingo that goes into pricing your items. I don't want to assume that anybody knows anything. I, I like to kind of just spell everything out and make sure that before we move into the formulas and the, some of the tools that you're going to recommend, that people know all of the details that they know to be able to understand those things. Yeah. So there's a couple of words that I'm going to be saying in the formulas um, that maybe, yeah, we'll go through them first. So one of them is cost. So I like to think of my cost is associated with an hourly wage, whether that's $10 in your, in your city, whether that's $15, whether that's $8 and 67 cents, your cost is your hourly wage. That is what you're going to be putting in to make that one scarf. That is your cost for that scarf. If you do one hour and it is your minimum wage is $10 an hour, the cost for that product is going to be $10. Um, from there you have materials. So those are the actual physical materials that you're using to make that product. So when let's just use a scarf as an example, anyways, um, say you buy a ball of lion brand thick and quick, and it is $10 cause we're just going to be easy with math. Yeah. Um, so your materials for that would be $10. Your materials also include the tags that you put on, like your, maybe your leather tags or your buttons. Those are included in your material costs. Um, You also have uh, other types of materials that could be maybe you have a price tag that you put on there, or maybe if you ship something, your materials would include a um, a poly mailer or wrapping paper. That is your material, so that is what it takes to make one product. Um, There's uh, another one that we're going to talk about is overhead. So overhead has a tendency to get really... um, get really lost, but essentially overhead is all of the things that you need to be paying for in your business outside of making that, that one, um, that one item, whether that is the time that you are spending to be able to go to the craft store, to be able to get yarn that becomes a portion, portion of your overhead as well as maybe, so the gas to be able to get there as well, or there's many things that can go into overhead. I always like to um, put a little bit of overhead in my in my formulas, which I'll also talk about a little bit better a little bit better later. But overhead can include anything like your website monthly fees, your listing fees, your packaging, your tools, your time invested in reaching uh, researching new materials. Your overhead could include the time that you're spending to be able to listen to this podcast, um, <laughs> time invested in in courses to be able to make you grow your business. Um, 
And then from there, you have a wholesale rate. This is what I like to also put as my base rate. This is what you have to be able to sell your product at to meet the bare minimums. And that is to be able to pay for your hourly wage and pay for your um pay for your materials. That is to break even. That is your wholesale cost as well as wholesale cost. Whenever you're selling to a boutique or someone is trying to bring your stuff into their store, usually what they'll do is they will purchase at a wholesale cost. So say that um, it's usually half of what your retail price is. So that's your wholesale. Mm-hmm. We like to think of this as our base. It's our bare minimum. You have to make this money. Otherwise you are losing money if you sell this product at any less. Um, Also, when it comes to sales, you want to be making sure that you are not going below your wholesale cost or your base cost. These are known as the same thing. Um, From there, you have a profit margin, which means that this is all your play money. Um, (laughs) this This money goes towards the rest of your business as well as it makes you profitable. So um, you have a profit margin when it comes to these formulas, meaning that you are making money on top of your wholesale rate or your base. Um, And then you finally have your retail rate, and that's the one that you slap onto your Etsy, you slap onto all of your prices. Um, That is like that, like, oh, moment. Like that is like (laughs) your, that is your price dollar that you are showing to the world. And you're like, look at how much I'm worth. Um, So (laughs) just going over cost is your hourly wage. Materials are obviously your materials. Your overhead includes anything that is not in your materials. So say gas or maybe your website. Um, Your wholesale rate is your base. Your minimum, you have to make that money. Your profit margin is your play money. Um, And your retail rate is what you slap and it's your slap on your Etsy on your actual price tag. And that's it. Okay. So those are the lingo. <laughs> nice. So tons, obviously tons of information goes into this. A lot of things that I would say people wouldn't even realize and they would have to learn the hard way that, oh, I forgot to include my Etsy listing fee in my cost or I forgot mm-hmm. to include the gas that it took me to get to the store. So yep. this is good. This is going in a, a really awesome direction. I, I do have one question really quick before we move on. Mm-hmm. is I've I've had a few questions come through where people are curious about incorporating the cost of their tools. So let's say I I splurged a little bit and I have personally I have I have an $80 uh, well, I have two $80 knitting needle sets. Girls crochets. They're actually um <laughs> for for knitting needles. I have the high high both the the small and the large set and that was yeah. a splurge for me. I don't Honestly, I'm I'm relatively cheap. I don't like to spend a lot of money on on supplies. But this was one thing that I was really I was really happy that I spent the money. Yeah. So I, I definitely love the tools. They were worth it. But let's say I did sell my my knitting. Would mm-hmm. it be fair for me to include some of that price within each one of the listings until I recoup that money or is that something that you you don't do? Like you just pay for the tools and that's sort of a, a cost that you have to eat. No, so you you should never be eating. If you have a company, you should never be eating a cost and coming having that come out of your personal bank account or your spouse's bank account. That should be coming out of your business bank account. So that money is coming from your profit margin as well as you can incorporate some of that into your um, into your overhead. So say that you are going to make. Um, say that you end up having your needles, they're $80, 
say that you put a dollar into every single every single listing as your overhead to be able to recoup that cost, which means that you would have to sell 80 scarves to recoup that cost of those $80 needles. Um, and then from there, your price wouldn't change as it keeps going because chances are you're going to keep on accumulating other materials to be able to, um, to be able to keep working on your projects. You're probably not going to stick with those $80 needles for the rest of your life. You're going to keep on adding. Mm-hmm. I always like to say that if you end up having a little bit of added money and say that you just keep charging that extra, say that you stay with those $80 needles, they're all the things that you end up using, you still incorporate that dollar into your overhead costs um, of your product. So that's $1 per product and you just keep on making money off of it. I am, I am all thumbs up for that as well as other things are going to start taking over and replacing that $80 in your overhead costs. That dollar is still going to go towards something else. You just be making, you may be taking money from that other thing until you've paid that $80 needle off. Okay. So it sounds like a, probably a good strategy is when you make that big purchase, you figure out how long you want it or well, not necessarily how long, but how many projects you want to sell products you want to sell in order to recoup that in in your example eight so that's let's say that's your target number and then you just do the math Mm -hmm. and divide it out and then just yes keep keep that in mind for the next purchase yeah and you can even um as we go into pricing formulas you can even go and work backwards this is something that i do in my in my full-time job as well um say that you want to make a certain amount of money let's say it's fifty thousand dollars a year that's what you want to make to be able to live to be able to survive that might be a little high um but like that's that's the wage that you want to be able to um, to make for a year. Say you want to make fifty thousand dollars. You can work backwards and say, okay, to be able to make that fifty thousand dollars, how much money do I have to be um, making every single month? And let me just go fifty divided by twelve is um, you need to be making four thousand one hundred sixty six dollars a month to be able to make that fifty thousand minus your expenses. So you're not including um, paying for your your website management or anything on top of it. Um, you can work backwards if you want to and say, okay, how many items roughly do I need to be able to sell to make that $4,166 per month? Mm-hmm. And then you can work backwards as you keep going. But that's going a little bit farther into it. So I'm just going to give three really easy formulas. Yeah, yeah. I love the big picture stuff. I definitely want to to come back to that. But yeah, let's talk yeah. about the formulas real quick. Yeah, so I have three formulas. Two of them, I'm like, hell yeah, the last one, don't ever use it. <laughs> and, I, and I say, don't, not that I, don't ever use it. I'm just going to blatantly say that I'm going to put that that foot in the stand in the sand. I'm going to say it. So one of the um, standard formulas is your cost. So your hourly wage plus materials. So what it costs to be able to make that item and then you times by two. So that's super simple, really easy. It means that you are making a hundred percent profit margin. So say that your cost and materials are, it takes you, um, one hour to make an item. So that's your cost. Let's say it's a $10 an hour. So that's $10. And then you have your materials. Say that it's one ball of thick and quick. We're just going to go really easy math. We're not going to include our tags and stuff, but you should be including them. Um, and say that that's $10. 
So one hour to make something, $10 to be able to make it, that equals your wholesale rate, which is your bare minimum that you have to make, would be $20. And then from there, you're going to times it by two, so you're making 20 extra dollars in profit. Mm -hmm. That's your profit margin. Um, this is a really basic formula for a lot of crafters slash a lot of industries. Um, some people even go even farther. If you look at jewelry and if you're looking at like where they're, when, whenever we go shopping, we're like, oh, well, what's the, what's the retail rate of this? And what is, um, what does like the company actually make on it? Like how long does it, how much? I'm trying to find the word that I'm thinking of. If you know what I'm thinking of, shout it out, Brittany. <laughs> um, but essentially, oh, the markup. Okay, we always go, yeah. what, is the, what is the markup on this product? So some people will say that it's times two, times three. If you look at jewelry, sometimes the markup is like ridiculous. Yeah. Like it may take them, it may make that, like if they're using a diamond, whatever you want to call it, and it costs them $100 to be able to make, they're charging like 10,000. Their markup is huge. That's a 10, that's like a 10 times markup. Yeah. So basic would be times by two, which means that you're making a hundred percent of a profit margin. Um, the second one that I have, which I use as well as I think that it is really, really good for, um, for knitters and crocheters, especially because it takes us so freaking long to make something like, I don't know about you, but I can't make a scarf in an hour. I can't. No, I can't either. No. <laughs> but we're going to make it really dumbed down. Um, this is the one that I really like to use um, as well as it's one that uh, a lot of the people in Maker Strong, if you ever go into the Maker Strong Facebook group that I'm a part of, you will see this toted over and over and over again. And that is cost. So your hourly wage plus mm -hmm. materials. So how much it costs to be able to make that scarf or whatever plus overhead. So we like to say, um, if you ever listen to Tony from TL Yarn Crafts, she will say that her overhead cost is 20% of her cost and materials put together, which okay. comes up to a couple dollars. Um, otherwise, I like to say that you add a couple dollars onto it. So say that it's like a two to anything from one to five dollars could be your overhead. Mm -hmm. So you would have your cost plus your materials plus your overhead of like maybe a couple dollars, let's say three dollars. And that equals your wholesale rate. So that is your bare minimum like that, which means that let's say that it's, let's say $5 at a, at a high overhead. So we have $10 an hour, one hour to make a scarf. So that's $10. Then we take our materials, say it's $10, that's 20 bucks. And then from there, we add a $5 overhead fee, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. That means that it's $25. And then from there, you can times it, we like to say by 1.75, which means that you're getting the 75% profit margin. So you take 25 times 1.75 equals $43.75. That 75% profit margin is going to pay for a lot of other things, which I, yeah. I will be talking about later because there's a lot of things that you're forgetting about. Um, <laughs> exactly. So we like to say cost plus materials plus overhead times 1.75. That's something um, we would obviously want to move it up to times two, but a lot of people see that $43.75 and they see sticker shock. They get panicked. They're like, no one will ever buy my stuff with that. I'm not worth that dollar amount. And it's like, yes, yes, you are. 100%. You're totally worth that. Um, you're allowed to make a profit. You should be making a profit. Exactly. And bef before, I, I'm, I'm having two thoughts here. So the first mm -hmm. thing 
is with the overhead cost. So you don't necessarily have to go in and calculate that every single time. You can kind of generalize it a little bit is what I hear you saying. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All of these pricing like formulas are, are, are like a basis to be able to start off of. They're not in gold. Like you don't have to do them, but they're a really good starting or like bouncing point. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing that the cost plus materials times two is the one that we should never be using. No, it's not. I have a completely new one. So those are my two gung ho do them. I think they're great. I think they're great. I think they're great. Now, my third one, which is the one that I say, please, God, do not use this, <laughs> is materials times three. Oh. And I, yeah. I apologize. I'm going to go on a little rant here. I have no idea who the stupid crafter was that <laughs> said, yes, materials times three. That's the way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Absolutely. That is the one way to be able to craft stuff. I think they're an idiot <laughs> because so many different people, let's say that you make a hat let's say three people make a hat. They're all the exact same. One of them ends up using, let's say, um, like a really cheap acrylic wool that's $5. And another person uses a different wool that is $10. And then another person uses a luxury line wool and that is $20. You're saying that even though they're spending the exact same amount of time, the only difference that they're spending on is materials that one, it should range from 15 to $60 for the same hat. Yeah, that's crazy. And it doesn't factor in what I would Anything. argue is one of the most important things, their time. Your time. Mm -hmm. Like you could, you could say that it takes you four hours to make a hat or let's say four hours to make a scarf and you're going to charge $15, like six, sorry, 15 divided by six is $2 and 50 cents an hour. Yeah. There's a problem that there. Is that is horseshit. <laughs> like that is the dumbest method I have ever seen in my life. And I'm even talking to, I'm ta and I'm sure that there are going to be people that are going to blow back on this. Please send them my way. Don't send them. Don't yell at Brittany. It's my opinion. <laughs> I appreciate that. I've never heard of this formula before, honestly, because I'm, I'm not in the market where I'm selling, which is why I'm bringing you here because you're, you're definitely the expert here, not me. So yeah, um, this is all, this is all news to me. Come talk to me. I will gladly chat your ear off. But mainly, this is something that even people that are in other industries, I talked to one of my girlfriends, she makes jewelry. She's like, how is it possible if someone something ends up costing me $5 to be able to make that I'm going to charge $15 when, when I could be selling it for market value at $45? It doesn't make sense. This it's yeah. a pricing method that I think is really, really outdated. I don't know who came up with it, but I see a lot of Facebook, group, Facebook groups toting it. And a lot of people will come back and say, well, Chantel, um, I can't, if you're talking about an hourly wage, say that you have a brand new beginner. Why should a brand new beginner who takes eight hours to be able to make something while I'm a skilled artisan that only takes four hours, why should they be charging more than me to that say makes sense? Yeah. And I, and I get why people end up saying that to me and that's totally right. But also at the same time, why, if you're selling it for $40, let's just do easy math, $10 an hour. We're not even going to include materials. Um, if it's taking you four hours and you charge 40 and someone is selling it for 80 and it's actually selling, bump your stuff up to 80. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole entire idea of perceived value, which I know we're going to talk about later, yeah. but 
And, and I also think that um, a lot of people will come and say, oh, well, maybe it's because I'm not lollygagging. I'm not taking a lot of time to be able to make something. Well, that's really unfortunate for the person who is making something that is really intricate. Because if you say that it's materials times three and they're like making beautiful cables and making lace work and it's taking them way longer than what it does to make a garter stitch scarf, which is the most basic one, you're saying that they should still be selling it for the exact same amount. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there there's definitely that that's not going to add any value back to the community. I think if, no, if you take that approach, no, it's definitely not. Um, so I really do not recommend. Please do not use materials times three. I think it's a really really outdated practice. Um, it's still toted constantly around in Facebook groups. If you see this, please talk about the idea of cost plus materials plus overhead. I think I think so many people like you go into a Facebook group and you you talk to a person who believes in materials times three times three and you say, well, what about your hourly wage? And it's like some people will get so upset, like how dare I charge an hourly wage for something that is my hobby? And it's like a plumber is going to to charge an hourly wage. An electrician is going to charge an hourly wage. A lawyer is going to charge an hourly wage. And you better bet that a lawyer is going to jack that fee up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why, why is a, as an artisan or as an artist or a fiber enthusiast that you shouldn't be getting a, a minimum wage? Why should you be making less than a, than a 14 year old who works at McDonald's flipping burgers, who has absolutely no skill? Cause all you have to do is take a burger and flip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. No, sorry. I got a little heated. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's getting real up in here, but it's good. It's a message that, that people really do need to hear it, to be honest. I, I think the more people who are on the same page, the better mm-hmm. the industry is going to do as a whole. Yeah. And, and you'll even notice that there's people in, like I always talk about Maker Strong. And if you haven't watched or you haven't uh, seen the podcast from Brittany from three weeks ago, um, yeah. Maker Strong is essentially a group to be able to empower and support and inspire people to be able to make a profitable business. And we always tote this constantly because you're you're worth it. You are completely worth a, a minimum wage and a profit. You're allowed to do that. You deserve this this kind of thing. It's it's time out of your day. So why shouldn't you be pricing appropriately? Exactly. Exactly. I can't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm curious now. We've 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 learned the formulas here are there any any tools that you recommend that might help people or do you kind of create a spreadsheet or something like that like how do you keep track of the prices for all of your different products um so i like to i like to use the same method for every single one and i use the second one that i ended up talking about um and i just do it manually but you can also find there's a couple tools out there there's called pricing calculators i wouldn't suggest that they're the be all end all because i think again they're a really good bouncing point um there's one that you can it's an app uh it's called the pricing or craft pricing calculator if you ever look for it in the app store it's purple it's free um and it essentially breaks it down so you put in um your hourly wage you put in how much your materials cost and then you put in a profit margin and we like to say that it should be 75 percent and up um and then it will poop out a number for you. Again, pricing calculators don't take into account all the other things that are added. Um, so I wouldn't say that those are the gold standard uh, and that whatever their their price is, is the, the price to go with. Um, but it is helpful to kind of get an idea of how much you're actually, 
how much time you're actually spending on it, how much you should be charging appropriately or approximately. Um, so I definitely say pricing calculators are a good jumping point. Again, not be all end all. They do have pros and cons, um, but they're a really good jumping point. Um, yeah. So I use all mine my, my just in like in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but a pricing calculator is like a good bouncing step. Yeah. I think if it were, were me, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit of a a data geek here too. So I love Mm -hmm. to use spreadsheets. I think they're super practical and I, I could see myself creating a spreadsheet, whether it be Excel or, or Google sheets. I I personally like Google sheets because it can be used over any device. So Mm -hmm. I would just go in and just make a column for each one of those, uh, like, things like wholesale, overhead, all of those things, Mm -hmm. and then just use that as a template. And then every time you list a new product, you you would have to go in and manually enter those values. But then Mm -hmm. the system is going to do the calculating for you. So I could see that as an easy way to, to save time. As well as it's a really good way to be able to see what are your high end products, what are your low end products, what is your immediate, what is your like intermediate. And I think that a lot of people really panic when they do pricing. They go, well, that's really, really, that's really, really high. And you'll notice that a lot of people who sell their items usually sell um, quick, quickly made items. So they're, you're talking thicker wool, bigger needles, things that can be pumped out a lot quicker because. I know that a lot of people will look at something like a baby blanket and go, wow, that takes a lot more time. That means that I'm going to be charging at least $150 for a baby blanket. That seems high. And it's like, no, that is an average rate for what a baby blanket should be. Exactly. And we just we just have this standard where we think that it should be cheap. Yeah. And I, I think you would have to expect that you're you're probably going to have less competition or less people who are selling the same thing that you are when you're when you're going for those items that take longer to crochet but I feel like that could be a a strategy in itself a business strategy oh absolutely I started a I started a luxury line because I started realizing that there was um instead of doing a super bulky weight yarn I decided to go down to a worsted or a size five bulky and just by doing that meant that I had to go down in needle size which means that my time really bumped up so I finally realized I was like well if I'm going to be if I'm going to be selling a hat for $95, which already seems really high by itself, because to me, a standard hat, I'm a crafter, which means that <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not my own target market. I would rather make something than spend $95, which I think a lot of us yeah. as crafters think we're kind of cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if I could, if I can make something, why wouldn't I make it? But then we realize that we spend all that money on the materials and spend like three times the amount of the product, but whatever. Um, yeah. If I'm going to be selling something for $95, that's a whole new odd like target audience or ideal customer who's going to purchase that. So why don't I just make it with beautiful yarn and charge 150 Because a person who is going to look at $95 is going to go, mm, 150 better quality. I'm going to do it and have no qualms. Yeah. That leads us right back into perceived value. I know this is something mm-hmm. that you're super passionate about. I am because it's it, it really is a huge deal. Can you elaborate a little bit on what perceived value means and like specifically what it means to us who are selling knit and crochet wear? Yeah. So I find that however you price your item is going to 
it's going to be how people are going to perceive your item. If you have a low number that is $15 for a scarf, people are going to think that it's shitty. If you have a $150 scarf, people are going to think that it's really beautiful and go, why is it so expensive? Yeah. So perceived value is the idea of you can make someone think that something is really, really quality and worthwhile just by putting a higher price point. And um, I talked about it in in the in the podcast that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a girl. Her name is Caitlin Batcher, and she when she talks about perceived value, she says, "Say that you end up having two identical erasers. One of them is fifty cents. One of them is a dollar fifty for price point, but they're the both." identical. They're made the exact same. They cost exactly the same amount to be able to produce. They're the same quality. They're all the same. The only difference is that there's a price point difference. It's actually proven that more people will spend the money on the $1.50 eraser because they think that it's better. And then there's a whole added perspective that their friends will view them differently because they spend more on, on products. And it's crazy to believe that in this world, if you have more money and you spend more money, it means that you're, you have like a different value or that yeah. you are viewed differently. So when it comes to perceived value, you can make your stuff look amazing and look super high quality just by in, increasing your price. Yeah, I would I would agree. And and the one thing I would add to that for me personally, if if I were doing it, because when when we talk about perceived value, it it kind of feels a little sleazy. If if I can just mm-hmm. be completely honest, but it really doesn't have to be. If you are confident in your product and you know that it's worth that, you know that you have done the absolute best that you can do, then it is absolutely worth the additional cost. Now, if you have any doubts to that whatsoever, like say you used a cheaper yarn or there are lots of mistakes in it or whatever it may be, if you don't feel confident in that product, then maybe you shouldn't jack up the price because then it does kind of cross that line into questionable intentions. Yes. And if you, I always believe that once, as soon as you end up pricing your stuff appropriately, which means that probably your chances are high that it's going to be going up. If you have someone, there's always that one person who's at a market that goes, why is it this expensive? And if you start going, well, uh, it's because it takes me like this many hours and I just like, I do no, like stand straight, roll your shoulders back, look them straight in the eye and say, that's the price because you are worth that price. If yeah. you can have the confidence to come off with that price, People won't question you. Right, right. I completely agree. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard for us to to feel confident in our prices? I think it's because we have a tendency to, as soon as you end up putting a price on an item, it goes, that's how much you are worth as a human being. Yeah. I think that it's very hard because we always internalize things and go, well, am I really worth that? Is someone going to pay that amount? That's a high price point. Or I don't think that I'm worth that. Um, It really comes to as soon as you end up pricing your stuff, it's showing how much you're worth. But also know that if a person looks at you and looks at your price and goes, they're really confident with themselves, um, they're worth that amount. If you have a person who is underpricing, they're going to think a little bit lower of you. So why wouldn't you just take the initial steps to be able to make sure that you are showing your worth and and making sure that people understand that you're you're not supposed to be trifled with. You you're an artisan that knows your craft and you should be proud about it. 
there's no reason for people to be able to walk over you because it is a fiber-based business. I think that a lot of the stigma comes around the fact that people think that fiber items should be cheap. Yeah. And they shouldn't. They're handmade. You're taking so much time to be able to make them. And there's so much blood, sweat, and tears that go into every single product that they're worth minimum wage. (laughs) Yeah. You're worth it. But I think it's I think it's hard for us as crafters because it's really internalizing that of going, what am I worth as a person? Yeah. And trust me, you're worth every freaking penny. Right. I think a lot of people, they might struggle with the the fear of, of missing out. If they they might say, Well, if I price it at this point, I know that my my potential customer is gonna go from fifty percent to 10%. Like it's going to be, there's going to be a huge cut in their potential market if they raise that price. So they might be afraid that while there's somebody offering it for a lower price, that customer is going to go to the other person and then I'm going to miss out on that sale. Mm-hmm. But I think if you, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it and relating it to, to my business model personally, which is which is not selling things. And I want to touch on that too, because I I find it really interesting. But when you set your price, you are, you're, you're setting the standard for your customer, Mm -hmm. for your business, for your brand. And just because somebody else might be doing the same thing or offering the same thing, it doesn't mean that you are worth the same amount that they are. You are able Mm -hmm. to put your price on what you know that you're worth, not just what you think you're worth, but what you know you're worth because you've done the math to figure it out. Yeah. And I also think that if you are, if you are having serious FOMO or if you're missing out, um, I like to interject that you, if you raise your prices, you're starting to work smarter, not harder. Say that there's a person who sells something for $25 and you sell it for 50 you only have to sell two items to make $100. Well, they have to sell four items to make $100. Exactly. Like, it's, even though you may end up having 50% less people end up buying it, you're still making the exact same amount of money, if not more. We, we ended up really toting uh, pricing and Maker Strong in October. And there were so many success stories of people going, I raise my prices and I have... I have more people purchasing now than I had last year at this time. Yeah. Because people go, wow, they're worth it. That's a really great item. Mm. It's perceived value. It is. I've heard that too on another podcast that I listened to that whatever you think your product is worth, double it. Yes. Just double it. And add See what happens. (laughs) Yes. So go go through the formula, find, find your retail price. Try doubling it. Yeah. See what happens. Try doubling it. If you make the and sale, you never great. Know. Yeah, right. And, you it, and worst and worst comes to worst, you you start off small and you grow it by five dollars. And that's five extra dollars that you didn't have. And exactly. five dollars is a difference between having a coffee that day for, from Starbucks or not. Mm-hmm. And if you have people that go, oh no, it's five extra dollars, I'm not gonna pay for it, that person isn't your target audience. They're not your ideal customer. Exactly. And you don't want to attract customers who who have the mind frame that homemade isn't worth anything, that it's not valuable. Exactly. Cheap prices attract cheap customers. Yes. All across the board, not even just in homemade. <laughs> yeah. All across the board. Yep. 
Well, man, this has been so insightful, even for me. Like I said, for me, my wheels are turning because this advice is not only applicable for people who are selling their goods online, but I'm thinking people like me who are bloggers who work with brands. Mm-hmm. We we go through the same process, and I can't tell you how many times my husband has told me this is what he, – he's a financial analyst, so I, I really do trust his opinion and very much lean on him for things within the business. But there have been times where he's told me what a service is worth because he's done the math, he's ran the numbers, and my thought instantly is, yeah, right, people will never pay for that. And he he has challenged me to but change my perspective, <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's, there's a whole entire other aspect to it of like, like blogging takes a really long time. I always laugh whenever people are like, oh, I'm going to start a blog. And you're like, do you realize how hard it is to start a blog? Yeah. Like how, <laughs> how long the upkeep is and how, how long you're, you're writing, you're coming up with the content, you're writing the content down and then you're editing it. So if you don't think that that's going to be at least an hour to two hours, it is. It's a lot of time and you yeah. should be charging a time for that as well as there's a whole entire idea of like intellectual property, right? Yeah. You could charge an unreal amount for the stuff that you know that other people don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I want to stress too that it's it's not – money doesn't have to be a dirty thing. Having a business doesn't have to be a dirty thing. And wanting to make money in your business isn't a bad thing. It's – but you have to – you have to be confident and know know that what you're putting out there is the absolute best that it can be and that it's actually worth what you're asking. Yes, absolutely. You, and you go ahead. And you should be making a profit. Like yeah. you should. You definitely should. Yeah, you you definitely should. So, man, this has been such a great talk. I'm so glad that we got you back on for a full episode. I know this is going to help so many people and before I let you go, I want I just want you to give people a chance to find some of your resources because I know you've written a lot about this topic. You mentioned Maker Strong, so I think that's a good a good place yeah. to direct people. So just give it to me straight. Where can people find you and what do you have to offer? Um, so you can find me, most of my stuff is on Instagram and I usually post all of my blog posts and link to it. Um, I have two. One of them is Knititude, so K-N-I-T-A-T-U-D-E. Um, most of my blog posts are on there as well as another blog post. Um, sorry, another blog. So you can find me on Knititude on Instagram as well as my website, which is knititude.ca, as well as if you're really looking to get into more blog posts about being business savvy, um, I have another Instagram. It's called No Shit biz tips b-i-z or b-i-z however you want to say it um, <laughs> and you can check my blog on no shit biz tips.com and it also goes into if you're really feeling like there is sticker shock and you don't understand why you should be putting a profit margin in there i have a profit like i have a blog on there saying why you should be making a profit margin because p.s there's other things in your business that you need to be paying for that are outside of production time um, so you can find me on those two places as well as check out Maker Strong. It is absolutely amazing. Um, we have an Instagram page, which is Maker Strong. 
Um, but we also have a Facebook group and the Facebook group is gold because we have over 1700 people in there. You can ask for advice. You can get responses from other people who may be in the same situation as you are. And maybe you're struggling with something that you can also help other people that may be in a situation that you've already been in. Um, so definitely check out our Maker Strong Facebook page. There are three questions that we ask you to answer and they are mandatory to be able to get in, which is just simple as like, how long have you had your business? What are your like... Mm-hmm. what are your weaknesses? What are the things you want to learn? Um, but those three places I would definitely suggest going to. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value in being a part of a community when, if this is a topic that is really weighing on you, if you're really struggling with what you feel like you're worth, what your product is worth, and maybe what you think you should be asking for it. Like I said, it, it kind of goes goes back to that unsettled, that unsettled feeling like you you know what you should be charging, but you feel bad charging that much. I think if you're in mm-hmm. that situation, being a part of a community can really help you build confidence and be be more comfortable with with knowing what your worth is and what your product is worth. We will always be your cheerleaders. That's awesome. I will rah rah behind you until the till the cows come home. Nice. <laughs> well, I will have links to all of that stuff in the show notes page so people can head over there. They can access that that Facebook group as well as see some of your your helpful blog posts that Thanks. that's on this topic. So, Chantel, thank you so much. This has been absolutely incredible. Oh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know after hearing all of that, you completely understand my excitement for this episode and why I believe that it has a potential to change your business. I would like to ask one favor of you today. If you know somebody who might also have an Etsy shop or sell their goods online, even selling in markets in different places, if you know somebody and you think that this episode can help them, I would just ask that you share it with them. That's going to be one great way that, well, first of all, we can help spread the word about the show, but also, and more importantly, I just want to help as many people as I possibly can. And I have been given the opportunity to utilize this platform to help people and to bring on specialists like Chantel to be able to help you. And I just want to continue that. And I ask that you help me in this journey by sharing the message about the podcast Anytime that there's an episode that you're really excited about, just share it with somebody and that would truly mean the world to me. I want you to know that I go into iTunes and I look at the reviews and I read every single one of them and it really just fuels my fire. So if you have at any point left me a review in iTunes, I just want to say thank you. I'm very grateful for that time that you spent writing out that thoughtful message and just know that that comment really changed my day. It really put a smile on my face and thank you guys so much. Now, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, I would ask that you do that as well. That way you always know when we have a brand new episode available for you and you know that I always bring the goods. But more importantly, this is your podcast too. If you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear from, just send me an email. I am right here on the other side of the line and I'm listening and actively trying to do what you want me to do. So leave me an email, brittany at behookedcrochet.com. Just go ahead and type podcast suggestion in the subject line. That way I can be sure 
that I put it in the right place so that I read it. And I'm super grateful for you if you take the time to do that. And I will do everything that I can to make sure I get your episode on a future show. I appreciate you so much for listening to today's podcast. Once again, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank Yarnspirations, our sponsor. Whether you knit or crochet, Yarnspirations is the online destination for free patterns, video tutorials, and of course, the yarn you love. You can buy it directly from the source, guys. Peyton's, Bernat, Karen, Lily Sugar and Cream. If you're not able to get them in your area, I recommend that you check their website. You can order it straight from the source. You won't run into any stock issues or have any colorway limitations because of this. You can get everything that you want right there on their website. In case you missed it at the beginning of today's show, you guys, my listeners, are offered 20% off your entire order of $40 or more at yarnspirations.com. And all you have to do is enter the coupon code BEHOOKEDPOD at checkout. That's B-H-O-O-K-E-D-P-O-D. Well, I can't help but tease next week's episode just a little bit here at the very end of the show because one of my little dreams came true. I was able to connect with somebody who I have admired for so long in this industry. Next week, I have none other than Vicki Howell on the show. I'm so excited about it. You don't want to miss it. So tune in next Thursday. And until then, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.